We've got a great worship team here, don't we? <laughs> you all may be seated this morning. You like it when we come up here and confuse you. Half of you stay standing, half of you sit. <laughs> just depends on who you get, right? Uh, I do have a couple of things before we read our, read our scripture uh, this morning. Uh, first thing is, um, I, live, I live with the woman who's planning this carnival, and, uh, and she needs volunteers, okay? And uh, it's, it is going to be B-I-G. It's going to be great. Uh, but what we really are hoping for is that family units might get together and sponsor these canopy tents. And uh, it's something similar to like the trunk or treat, but it doesn't have to be anything um, huge or anything out, you know, just a game, some type of game uh, that kids can come in and play. We're going to have several of those out there. Uh, so I encourage you to sign up and I encourage you to come. It's a great community event. And uh, speaking of back to school, the kids are back to school this last week and this week. And um, some Somebody mentioned to me today said, you all have not prayed over those guys. So if you are going back to school in any form or fashion, would you come down here quickly? And operative word there, quickly. Let's, let's move. <clears throat> and would you all stand and stretch your hands? We're going to pray over our youths and our kids going back to school. <clears throat> I love you. Uh, teachers, come on, teachers, college students, absolutely. All right. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you, Lord, for every one of the people standing before me, God, whether it's teachers, college students, elementary, middle, high school. Father, I ask that you would cover these teens and, and, the, and the kids going back to school, the teachers, uh, all, all of these going back into those hallways. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use them to be a conduit of light. I pray that you would give them favor in their classrooms. I pray that they would grow in, great, uh, in their learning, Father, that you would give them wisdom in the choices of friends that they make, relationships they maintain, God. Uh, and Lord, I pray that there would be an increase in an awareness of your presence as you carry them through this year. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Blessings on your school year. Our, yeah. Our youth group starts back on Thursday night. So if you have a teen, uh, middle school, high school, we start back on Thursday night uh, at seven. Um, Kurt spoke about something uh, a few minutes ago uh, with regard to the goodness of God, and I love that tune that we, we did. And I wanted to share this. I shared it in the first service. Um, you know, God is so good. You do know that, yes? He is a good God. And, uh, and He's moving all of the time. And if we'll open our eyes, we'll see His goodness. I, uh, many of you know I run a school up the road, and we were having an administrative meeting a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about the direction we're going to go for the school year. And it, and it kind of lines up with where the Lord has me in, in, in this season uh, of life. And uh, the scripture that we're going off of is from the book of Psalms 34, 8, which says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And uh, so I was discussing that with my, uh, my admin team, and we were talking about the goodness of God. We were sharing testimonies. We're looking for God to do some outrageous things in the students' lives, and we're hoping to hear uh, testimony of His goodness uh, in, in, that, in, in those ways. And, um, and, and as we're talking about all this, it was about a one or two hour meeting. As we're talking about this, simultaneously, my wife is leading a chapel uh, at the school for about 60 summer camp kids. And I didn't know this chapel was taking place at the same time. And we're talking about the goodness of God. And I walked out, as I often do sometimes from meetings, saying, Lord, I hope I said what you wanted me to say. 
Uh, and, um, you know, I wasn't doubting because I knew the Lord had me in that, in that scripture, but, um, but boy, does he ever have a way to, to confirm the things that he does. And I walk over to the school and my wife busts out the door and she says, Kevin, I've been looking for you. I just led 26 kids to Jesus. And I just, I was stunned. I was absolutely, I was absolutely stunned. And the Lord said to me, you want to test me in my goodness? Let's go. And so um, I just want to encourage you, look for his goodness because it's all around and testify to his goodness because the dark and dying world that doesn't want anything to do with God needs to hear about his goodness so that they want to go and gravitate toward him. Amen. So today we're going to talk about a time to tear, a time to mend. And so that none of you lust, I'm not going to rip my shirt open this morning. Okay. (laughs) But you may stand now. We're going to read the scripture together. There is a time for everything and a season of every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter scones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Father, I thank you for the seasons of our life. I thank you that your goodness can prevail and reign in every single season. I ask, Lord, that you would reign and rule over this place today, that every word that comes from my mouth, Lord, those words that you uh, have anointed and the words that you have for the people, your people today, God, Lord, that those would stick and stay and change us, uh, uh, change our lives. I thank you that your word is alive and active. May you move today in our lives in Jesus' name, amen. A time to tear, a time to mend. Um, I think this is a hard topic, and so I'm going to try to to communicate well today. Um, A time to tear and a time to, to mend, the cultural context that we're dealing with has to do with the physical tearing or or rending of garments uh, to express strong emotions of grief, sorrow, anger, or, or loss. So the cultural connection here is that, uh, is that when, when an extreme uh, an event happens or a tragedy takes place that invokes an extreme emotion, uh, it, it causes something to happen on the outward. It's a manifestation from what's happening on the inside to the outside. If you read your Bible, and I hope you do, you will find occurrences in Scripture where there are characters who tear their clothes or they've ripped their clothes. And if you've ever been one to wonder why they did that, uh, it was an expression of the grief or the loss or the anger, or the injustice that they were feeling, uh, feeling inside. So there are such occasions that I'm going to, I'm going to reference here. Uh, the first one and the first inference that we see, or the reference rather in, in Scripture that we see is, is from Reuben. Reuben was Joseph's older brother. And uh, the brothers had taken Joseph and they decided that they wanted to kill Joseph. 
And instead, Reuben said, why don't we throw Joseph into this cistern uh, to keep him alive? Because Reuben really wanted to bring his brother back alive, even though he was going to allow his brothers to kind of taunt him. uh, And he really wanted to stop them from from killing him. And so, uh, so they throw him into the cistern. And Reuben goes away and the brothers say, hey, listen, instead of killing him, why don't we sell him for some money? We can make something off of this transaction. And so they go ahead and they, they sell Joseph and Reuben comes back to the cistern and he doesn't see his brother. And Reuben is going to be charged with the task of conveying this information to his father, Jacob. And so the scripture tells us when he sees this, as Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there and he tore his clothes. Another instance occurs in the same chapter, just a few verses later, whenever Reuben is talking to his father, Jacob, and he's having to convey the news. And it was the only thing, the only reasonable explanation was that Joseph had died. And I don't know if you are a parent who has lost a child, but you can imagine that if that's the news you're receiving, what type of emotional response it would evoke inside. And so the Bible says that when then Jacob tore his clothes and he mourned for his son many times. Days And so there was a rending of the clothes that happened with that emotional um, uh, response. Later in, uh, in Joshua, the book of Joshua, we find that the Israelites had, have defeated Jericho and all of the plunder, all of the, the, the goods that were of that. God said, I want those things. God always wants the first. He doesn't want the last. He always wants the first. And there was a man by the name of Achan, and Achan coveted, lusted after uh, some of, the, some of the, the devoted things. And so he took those things and he hid them in his tent and just thought, you know, what's this going to do? Well, later, the Israelites were approaching the next army and with confidence and boldness, they went into battle just knowing because the Lord said, you're going to be victorious. And uh, the Lord's hand was removed from them because somebody had stolen devoted things. And so uh, the Israelites, some of them lost their life and, and they came back and they, and they lost that battle. And so Joshua, in response to this, where it seemed uh, to be some sort of injustice or some type of anger in response to this, um, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their, their heads. So there was an emotional response. God, you promised me that we would be victorious, but I don't understand why we're not victorious in this, in this moment. Um, and so that invoked an emotional response. And finally, um, and not the only other occurrence, but, but another occurrence in, in Scripture is with David. And he was about to become king and Saul was still alive. But, but one of the servants comes to David and, and, and tells him that Saul is now dead. The king has died. But even, even, uh, even perhaps greater than that, your friend, your best friend, Jonathan, is also dead. And so uh, upon that news, uh, David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and they tore them. And so we're dealing with an emotional response. Have you ever had a situation in your life that invoked an extreme emotional response? Anybody? Yeah, a lot of us do. And not, not all of those, uh, uh, those occurrences have to do with death, though a lot of them do. That, that would certainly invoke. But some of them have to do with anger uh, and, and situations and information that you're, that's coming your way. And, and we're not talking about necessarily a planned or forecasted feeling. We're talking about something happening spontaneously in the moment, news you're receiving, and the immediate response there. Uh, thereafter. And so we're usually not very fond of um, spontaneous 
information that invokes immediate emotion. We actually would rather plan out how we're to feel. You know, if you're feeling like you want to, you know, cry, you might go see a, a sad movie, right? Or you're wanting, to, you're wanting to laugh a lot, you might go see a comedy, you know, or, and, and laugh. But you want to kind of program your steps or, or order your steps in such a way that you can navigate your feelings and, and, and emotions. Uh, and some of us who are, th- anybody thrill seekers here? Um, you know, some of us, uh, we have emotions and feelings that are like roller coasters, right? They're just all over the place, Okay. Husbands, keep your hands down. Okay, so, um, so the roller coaster, uh, the roller coaster. Um, I just took the youth group to Six Flags recently, and they drug me on a lot of roller coasters. And I used to really like roller coasters a whole lot, um, and uh, and I still like them. But I'm learning that I don't like them as much as I once did, uh, which is interesting. And um, so. Anyway, uh, so we would go on the roller coaster, but when you go on a roller coaster, you are subjecting your feelings and emotions to a wide range of things, right? Okay, so you might have a sense of anticipation or excitement. Uh, There might be a little bit of fear that starts to creep up. Then you have joy, and then you're laughing at everybody's responses and those types of things, right? And uh, when when we are feeling some sort of way, a lot of times, we want other people to join us in the way that we feel. Are you catching what I'm saying? For some reason, we, when we feel a certain way, we, we, and sometimes we place a demand or expectation that others feel the way that we feel. And so we drag them along and we want them to, to experience or feel this. So, so I, I took my daughter to Dollywood a couple, uh, well, I guess this is the past year. And, um, and I took, this is dad, dad fail. Okay, I'm letting you know right now, dad fail right here, okay, before I, before I throw this up here. I took my daughter on a roller coaster and she wasn't quite ready. But I wanted her to experience what I got to experience on the roller coaster, right? And so this is my daughter and me on the roller coaster. She was not quite ready for the experience, as you can tell. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so sometimes subjecting people to emotions and feelings they're not ready for will rob them from experiences they want to have in the future. I tell you that much, okay? So she was not quite ready to just jump right back into the saddle on the, on the roller coaster. Um, I am a good da- dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am a good dad. Uh, and, and yes, I did laugh at that picture multiple times. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, hurt people hurt people. Okay? And uh, in these moments of extreme emotion, there is sometimes a tendency to want to pull everybody around us into that same emotion. Uh, and that's not necessarily what we're instructed to do. It's not really necessarily a healthy thing to do. Uh, it's not necessarily a thing that we need to, to do. Uh, what we need to do is we need to go to God. Sometimes in the moments of these extreme emotions, um, uh, we, we are a little bit um, out of control, would you say? Anybody ever seen somebody lose their mind? Uh, and, and sometimes that, that happens. I have an object lesson, and I so wanted to do it. And I told Keith today, Keith, I used Hal as the example, first service. But, um, you know, I thought, you know, if I do this on stage, you know, Keith will stand up and rip his clothes open because of the mess. Thank you, Will. 
I was looking for my laugh note this morning. Uh, for the mess of, and then he tells me between services, well, the monitors are gone. So I almost went to the store and got the, the, the tools to, to do it, but I didn't. So I did a video. Uh, it would have been better in person, but here's the video. A time to tear, a time to mend. Today we're talking about the outward expression of an inward feeling. And today we're going to talk about three different types of things that can happen in our life that cause an immediate reaction. Those three things being grief, anger, and injustices. Uh, these Mentos are going to represent each one of those things. And the Diet Coke represents our ordinary day or ordinary lives. And anytime one of these things introduces themselves into our lives, it causes a reaction. And, and most of the time, for most of us, it causes an, uh, an emotional response. So let's look and watch what happens when we introduce these things into our ordinary life. An explosion of feeling and emotion happens and it could cause a mess. What are we to do? Let's find out. An outward expression of an inward feeling. You understand why I didn't want to do it on the stage now? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's an inward expression, just like the Diet Coke. You know, we're just walking along, right, in life, and something happens, and an eruption of emotion happens. Um, hopefully, this is not something that frequently happens to you. But I would say, I would almost guess that at some point, at some time, it happens to everybody, right? Um, you, you're hopeful that it doesn't happen all the time, but, but, but it does happen from, from time uh, from time from time to time. Um, the, in the cultural context that we're looking at, it, clothes were extremely expensive to make when uh, in the context of, of the scripture and, and this in the population there uh, and that time period. So it wasn't something where, you know, if I, if I lost a button or if I did decide to not spare you from the glory underneath this shirt, I, uh, you know, I could go to my closet and you all see my wardrobe. I mean, I've got about 30 of these shirts, you know, I've got, I've got shirts, you know, there that I can put on and it's not a big deal. Um, but for, for, for this culture that we're, that the scripture is referencing, it was a big deal to rip your clothes. Um, you might have, you might have two, three, you know, uh, things to, to, to wear. So when you're expressing emotion, you're making a sacrifice in emoting and, 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 and tearing the clothes. And so I thought to myself, what would be an example like for us? Like what if we, if we had extreme emotion, cause you know, you could tear your clothes, you could tear your clothes just, just to have fun and do it. Um, but, but this might be an example. It'd be as if you took a bat, you got mad and you took a bat and you busted the windshield of your car. Now, some of you have two cars. Some of you have, might have three, okay? Um, but you would have to be pretty upset, right? You would have to be pretty angry to grab a club or a sledgehammer and go after your car like this, okay? So to kind of put it in contest, that, 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 that type of sacrifice, that type of kind of whoa type move uh, is, what we're, is what we're dealing with in the context of Rending, rending the clothes or, or, or tearing, tearing the, the, sh the shirt. Um, God gave us the ability to steward our feelings. Your feelings are not wrong. Your emotions are not wrong. Those are not man-made. That was not man's idea. Those were God's idea. And so you're given this wide range of emotions and feelings to grapple with. And we're actually, we're responsible 
for our feelings. We're responsible to steward uh, our feelings. Um, and this morning, I want, to, I want to talk about three mentos, three mento moments that can cause an extreme emotional response. Uh, and we're going to look at grief, anger, and injustice. And I just want to make a few points about each. So the first one we're going to look at is grief. Um, grief is most commonly uh, probably associated with death, you know, mourning, sudden, uh, sudden and spontaneous uh, a loss. Um, and it certainly is probably one of the most potent in terms of receiving tragic news and an emotional uh, a response being um, connected to it. Thankfully, uh, in our modern day and age, when, when somebody is heading toward, toward death, you know, you, you got to count it a privilege that you get that time, even if it's in the hospital or even if you know it's heading in a direction, you get those precious moments. But there are people, uh, such as the shooting that happened in El Paso, Texas, uh, where those people lost their lives right then. And I'm sure that the people, those parents and the loved ones didn't wake up that morning and say, well, this is going to be the end for us. That was a spontaneous, tragic moment, and the news was conveyed to them. And I'm sure in most of those instances, if not all, it invoked an emotional response. The injustice that was served those people probably invoked emotional responses across the country, Right? that it was unfair. And so there are things that happen, tragic situations that happen uh, that, that cause grief, that cause uh, this emotion. And here's what I want us to, to look at today with regard to grief. It is okay to feel. Our culture today has robbed us from the ability to feel. We've become cold to embracing emotion and feeling. Technology has just inundated us uh, to the point to where we don't know how to carry on just a normal conversation, let alone emote in the right way at the right season and the right time. But it is okay to feel. And sometimes even in Christian circles, we feel like the posture at all times is supposed to be this. But I would argue that probably the rawest most authentic, genuine Christians that I've met are the ones who are able to feel, who are able to emote, who are able to, to, to not only carry on a conversation, but also able to be vulnerable enough to see God change them day by day, week by week, month by what, on this journey. It is okay to feel. This is what the Lord says. He says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and He saves the crushed in spirit. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. There would be no reason for these scriptures to exist if God did not, if it was not okay for us to feel, if it was not okay for us to grieve. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. He is a comfort when we, when we, when we feel alone and especially in moments of, exp uh, of, ex of excruciating pain and grief. It is also okay to emote toward God. It is okay to cry out to God. He is after an authentic, genuine relationship with us, with every single believer. That's why Jesus did what he did is so that we could have a relationship with the Father. There is a story of this lady who had a pastor as a dad. She grew up in the church and uh, she gave her heart to Jesus when she was young. And somewhere along the way, she went off the tracks and she decided to become an atheist. 
And so she's well into, well into her, uh, well into life and has decided there's no God. And her dad was still a pastor. She's on the way home one night from work and she gets a phone call and she answers the phone and they say, I'm so sorry, your dad has been tragically killed in a car accident. And immediately she starts to cry out and she starts to scream profanities at God. She starts to cuss at him, everything that she could. She just threw all of that, that, that energy, that, that anger right at God and just cussed and all, screamed all those things. And she realized about three minutes in that the person to whom she was cussing and throwing profanities was the one that she said that she did not believe in. And as she grew quiet, she heard a voice that said, it's okay. You haven't talked to me in years. God can handle it. He can handle your extreme outburst, your loud emotions. He wants all of you, not just part of you. He doesn't want you to clean and polish yourself up and present that to you. He wants the raw, the the uh, unbecoming. He wants the ugly parts. He wants all of you. And it is okay to emote Toward God. We look in scripture at a variety of characters who cry out to God. One noteworthy one is Job. We saw Job and all of the grief that he had to, to endure, all of the pain that he had to endure. And he said, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. It is okay. It is okay to ask God the question, why? It is okay. And it's okay to continue to answer that question. I'm sorry, continue to ask that question. It's okay to go before the king of kings, the star breather, the creator of the heavens and the earth and ask your questions to bring your, your case. My encouragement this morning would be for you to make a resolve that his word is true to make a resolve that what he says is absolute truth so that when you go to him, you're not questioning whether he's right or wrong, but you're asking him, Lord, help me understand. Can you give me the strength and the peace in this moment to endure? Because I don't know why I'm having to go through this, but I need you. And so your prayer language begins to change and it doesn't question whether he exists or what he says is true, but you begin to say, God, I need you in this moment. I need you to soothe this pain. I don't understand what's going on, but I know because your word says it that I can reach out to you. And finally, on the note of grief, don't grieve alone. There are going to be moments in the, moment, in the process of grieving where you need to be alone. There are going to be moments when you need to retreat, but you cannot stay there. You were not created for isolation. You were not created to disconnect from community. That's one of the major reasons we gather here. I don't know about you, but I receive so much comfort being here on Sundays from brothers and sisters who know me and can speak into my life. That's why we gather here. Do not go through the grieving process alone. We were created for a relationship and it brings healing. And I want to go on a very quick bunny trail here with regard to grief before we move off of it. Because I feel like, I feel like the Lord has opened an opportunity for me to, to, to kind of speak on, on, on this as well. We do not spend a lot of time individually in marriages, households, from the platform talking about death. The cases and times that we usually bring it up are associated around an event, a life event. But we don't take a lot of time talking from the practical sense and, and these types of things. 
And I want to encourage you, and our pastor had actually encouraged the elders to make that a conversation piece in your homes, not in a morbid way, not that it needs to take over all of the conversations, but there's a healthy part of dialoguing that this is an inevitable event that's going to happen in our lives. Let's dialogue about what that's going to look like and, 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 and those types of things. And it doesn't mean that the feeling is just going to go away, that you're going to just be so happy when it happens or anything like that. But it makes the process of grieving just that much easier because you have processed together. You've talked about it. You have pro- you've, you've, you've begun to prepare. And that's with anything. Anything that you put time and effort in practicing or prepare, not practicing, but preparing, preparing for, you know, dialoguing about, right? It stands to reason that in the end it's going to be better. So we need to talk about this. We need to talk about death. But what I wanted to talk with kind of the bunny trail is, is I don't know why, but I've had the unfortunate pleasure, privilege rather, of being associated uh, either in near-death experiences or death experiences over the last three to five years. And almost in every case, I've been at least closely enough, uh, closely connected to the family to be in the hospital or to be uh, when the passing happened, all of these things. And I can name at least one, multiple in some cases, but at least one instance in every single circumstance where something inappropriate happened from somebody who was just trying to do something good. And one of the things that I walked away thinking is like, man, at some point, somebody's got to stand up and say, here, is, here are some practical tools you can have when some tragedy strikes a loved one, when a tragedy strikes uh, around you. And there's not, I don't think this is law, but I would like to kind of equip us with what, what should I do? Somebody in the body has, has lost a loved one or uh, is something tragic happened. What am I supposed to do? <clears throat> and so I wanted to give us some practical tools things. The number one thing that you can do is this, it's pray. Now we like to modify that a little bit and we like to say, just pray as if that's not enough. But here's the thing, who are you praying to? Because I can't, I have to lose that word just if I recognize the person I'm, t- I'm praying to. Because the person I'm praying to, the God that breathes stars can do measurably more than anything that I can do or say. And so the first and most important and most powerful thing you can do is pray immediately. Right then, ask the Lord to be with the situation, be with the people and continuously pray. The next thing is to listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit was more, is and was more intimately connected with that tragedy than anybody else? And so if you connect with the Holy Spirit, he will give you specific instruction of what you are to do. But I want us to pay close attention to when he tells us not to do something. Because I get a lot of great ideas. I get a lot of things that are really good, but the Holy Spirit's really good at saying, "Uh uh-uh, not yet. Not the timing for that. Because not all good ideas are of him or from him or in the timing that it needs to be. Continue to do what you do best. Continue, put it into the high throttle. At the time when Margaret had passed, I was very spacey. It was before and during and after. I was real spacey. And the greatest gift that my team at the school gave me, my leader's team, was I, I loved the text. It was encouraging, the, they, all the things that they did, okay? 
the most encouraging thing they did was they kicked it in the full throttle and they were being the best versions of them and what they do. Continue to do what you do. Ronnie has mentioned it from the platform and in meetings that part of what helped carry him through about this church is that we kept clicking along and you functioned full throttle at what you were doing, the eldership, the staff, all of us, we kicked in high and we didn't just abandon what the normal routines were. Continue to do those processes and pull them into a uh, full throttle. And then lastly, is this truly for them or is it for me? I, uh, I have a pastor mentor that's in East Tennessee and he was on his deathbed. He almost died of malaria a few years back. And, uh, and he was in the hospital for three months and the family had called me over because the, the way it was going, it was shifting toward, toward him passing. And, uh, and they had a member of their, their church. His name, was, his name was Bill. The family had respectfully asked no one to visit in the hospital. Bill showed up anyway. And he walked into the room and he spent two hours talking with us, talking to Jim, and uh, Jim could barely breathe, and he was doing all of that. And when Bill left, I'm sure Bill felt great about that. I'm sure Bill felt good about himself, that he, had, that he went and encouraged his pastor, and he spent time with the family. Yet Jim felt depleted. He had loss of energy. And I guarantee you, Jim was worse off after that interaction than he was better. You have to ask yourself, is this for them? Or is it for me? Right? So these are just some practical things that you can, that you can tools you can grab if there's a moment of, 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 of tragedy. Um, and, and one other note, you know, the, the classic question is, I just want them to know that they can reach out and call me if they need me. I want them to know that I'm here. I want them to know. Let them know that before tragedy strikes. Build your relationship such that that is an automatic go-to without a tragedy having to take place so you don't feel the need to have to text and call and say, I just want to let you know I'm here. Let that be so well known that it's an automatic, that you can walk in confidence. I know that they know I'm here, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do what he tells me to do, and I'm going to continue to function as I am. Good? All right, next one, anger. Anybody ever been angry? Okay. Anybody? No, no anger. Okay. It's not wrong to be angry. Anger is one of those emotions the Lord has given us to steward. And I've got to kick it in high gear here, folks. I'm sorry. It's not wrong to be. It's not wrong to be angry. Okay. Um, I uh, I remember an instance when I was when I was angry. Hadassah, she was uh, eating spaghetti. And uh, guys, I lead kids and I'm used to them walking in obedience when I tell them to do something. And my kid was, she just crossed over the understanding of uh, what was right and wrong and, uh, and, and knew, you know, when I'd asked her to do something that she was supposed to do it. So she grabbed the spaghetti and she threw it against the wall. And I looked at her and I said, don't throw the spaghetti against the wall. And keeping her eyes locked at me, she grabbed the spaghetti and she threw it against the wall. I remember the emotion of anger that came up in me. And I had to step back and evaluate what my next choice was going to be because I had not had such blatant, you know, uh, disrespect. Now, I didn't tear my clothes open, okay? But anger invokes emotion as well. Jesus, he, he turned the tables in the temple. He was angry. Anger is an emotion that we as as, as an ang, as an emotion that we need to 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 steward. In your anger, do not sin. 
Scripture is clear about this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. If you're angry with someone, you need to pick up the phone and reconcile before the sun goes down. Don't let it go down on your anger. You, you can feel the emotion of anger, but you're not supposed to hold on to it for a long time. And lastly, your anger never justifies harming others. And just quickly, listen, this is very important. If you're in an abusive relationship, if you're in a relationship where there's physical harm happening, you need to tell someone and you need to tell them today. It is never justified. To cause physical harm to someone who's inferior to you is cowardly. And you need to, be, you need to voice it. There's never a justification through anger for, the, for anger to come out in the form of physical abuse. Injustice, discrimination, ageism, homophobia, racism, sexism, all of these things in our society, injustices can cause, can be a means for emotional outrage. Here's what we need to know. Understand we live in a fallen world. Injustices are gonna happen from here until Jesus splits the sky, okay? We live in a fallen world. Any agenda to create a utopia here on earth without Jesus at the center is a futile mission. It's not gonna happen until Jesus comes back. Your actions speak louder than words. Your actions speak louder than words. Showing love and kindness to someone or to a group of people who do not look like you, who do not act like you, who do not think like you, who do not believe like you, does exponentially more for the kingdom than spewing your opinion and rants on Facebook. And I believe, and I believe that when we decide to take to Facebook with all of our rants and spewing, I think it's detrimental to the kingdom than it is help, more than it is helpful. This is what scripture says. Let us not love with words or speech, but with it in actions and in truth. And lastly, we need to know that there is hope. There is hope. Christ will rule and reign again on this earth. It is going to be a time uh, of, of him coming. He and it says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, crying and pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And I am ready for that old order to pass away. And so with that hope, there is a time to mend. And that moment of tearing or rending uh, clothes, the emotion that comes out, that is a spontaneous, quick reaction. The process of mending is a journey. And it takes time. You have to make the choice. I am choosing to pick up and move on. You have to make a choice. You have to decide to face the mess. When my wife and I ripped up the carpet upstairs, we were gonna lay hardwood. We didn't just rip it up and then, oh, we just lay hardwood. There's a mess to be cleaned. Anytime you rend something, anytime you tear something up, there's going to be a mess to address. There's an emotional mess for some places, a physical mess, a spiritual mess, whatever it is, you have an emotional mess, you need to address it. You need to be ready to face those messes. Okay? Embrace change. No, things are not going to be the same, but God's goodness will prevail. Embrace the changes that happen and allow the Lord to do his work and allow him to create beauty from the ashes. There has to be beauty on the other side of ashes when the Lord is involved. Isaiah speaking on behalf 
of Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Worship team, you can come out. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives and release darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. There is a time to tear and there is a time to mend. But guys, there is a day coming when he's going to split the sky open and there will not be a need to tear and there will not be a need to mend. And then that glorious day comes, we're going to, you talk about keeping your emotions and feelings in check, you're going to be overcome with such joy because of Jesus. Would you guys stand this morning? And those who are going to minister the elements, if you'll come forward. I believe that God participated in the rending when Jesus was on the cross and he took his last breath. Scripture tells us about this veil, this curtain that, was, that protected the holy of holies. Nobody could go inside. But when his baby boy, Jesus, took his last breath, God rend that curtain and offered an opportunity for anyone who would come to come into the Holy of Holies and to experience His love, His grace, His mercy. It's available to you. Yes, you. No matter what you've done, no matter what your circumstances are, it's available. The veil has been torn. So as you come this morning, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're in a time of an explosive moment of emotion. Those, ting, those things are not predictable. And, and most likely, there's not a lot of people who are in that specific moment right now. But maybe you know somebody who is. This is a moment to pray for them. And then there's some others that have needs this morning. And we want you to come and come to the, to the King of Kings, the star breather. And let's do some business with the Lord this morning. You come. Those who are going to pray, come first. And then those who follow.